yes. So today we are going to take down the patriarchy and um, because we are troll slayers and that's what we do. <laughs> Welcome to Not So Peter Priesthood Podcast. This is your host, Jake Taylor. Um, I don't have any announcements because ain't shit going on. So uh, without further ado, I'm just going to get right into it and bring in my guest co-host. Um, she is, I, we were brought together by Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Um, and it is part of a beautiful friendship. And uh, she has become one of the most uh, interesting women I've ever met. Um and I would like to introduce you to Dusty. Dusty, hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? It's really sweet of you. I'm good. <laughs> I'm really good. I've had a crazy morning, but I'm happy to be talking to you. I know. This is great. Yeah. We've been like talking on Instagram for a few weeks now, right? Something like yeah. that. And it's We're just... like the troll slayers that didn't know each other. Yeah. Now we combine powers. <laughs> combine with our powers combined. No troll shall survive. That. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like most of this, well, maybe not, but like the beginning of this is probably just gonna be a bunch of giggles. So, oh, just bear for with sure. Us. And I've had, I'm on my, oh, yep, I just finished my third cup of coffee. So, oh, um, I am buzzing and Excellent. ready to go. I, um, I, yeah, but thank you for joining us. You were also. From Canada, the great land up north, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've learned so much about Canada from you, which is <laughs> like Mostly that ten feet tall, ten feet tall moose. I still, I'm gonna have nightmares about that. I'm surprised I haven't yet. But the moosaia, <laughs> the moosaia, yeah, the great moosaia. I um, <laughs> I keep telling my coworkers and like friends about that. I'm like. She sent me this video. <laughs> it's like traumatizing. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I talk about you a lot, actually. But with my with friends, I'm like, oh, I have a, my friend in Canada. Yeah, I, I'm it's like, like how you have like a girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. So I wanted to do um, a little get to know you question. So pull this up here. I'm so organized. <laughs> <laughs> I run a very professional podcast, Dusty. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Polished. Uh, your little your um setup is more professional than mine. That picture you sent me, I was like, what? Sitting in my closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least you have like you did like soundproofing and like you did a little like you put effort into it. I'm just like, I'm just gonna pull up my computer and see what happens. Just let it happen. <laughs> it's more authentic to just go with it, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and also I have all these scarves. I need to use them for something. Otherwise I just like look like Steve Tyler walking down the street. Or Stevie Nicks. Or Stevie Nicks, yeah. Better. That's a better, better one. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, Stevie Nicks, you, you got the Stevie Nicks vibes going on, which I'm all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to have you pick a number, 1 through 25. Oh, 13. Oh, okay. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a little deep, but um, <laughs> how do you define love? Oh, that is a deep question. <laughs> I did not expect to go deep this soon, but, you um. know, <laughs> Well, I think it depends kind of on like what kind of love that you're like thinking about. But for me, love, you know, that feeling of when like you you get home and your home smells like your home and it feels cozy like your home. That's kind of what I equate love to. It's that feeling inside that you're just like really settled. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. And that's how I am with like, you know, my parents. When I hug my mom, I feel that connection of like, just kind of settled when I had my kids, when I had my husband, when I had my dogs. It's just that I'm at home feeling regardless of where I am in the world. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like cozy comforts and yeah, that's definitely yeah. good. Yeah, that embodies love, I think. I think that's... so, yeah. All right. Well, that was, do you want to do another one? 
<laughs> okay, another pick another number one through twenty-five. That's not thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, twenty-two. Twenty-two. Oh, okay, let's see. If you could change one event from history, what would it be? Oh, oh my goodness, that's another tough question. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that this was gonna. Um, maybe I should have vetted the questions a little better, but I just thought this. Would be, anyway, go on. <laughs> um, I don't know because, like, if you change the course of history, then like. Do things still happen in the same way? Like, of course, I would say like World War II, right? But then right. does that mean none of us exist? Because you know what I mean? That is a good question. And like the butterfly effect thing, you know, you have one uh, one thing that changes, the whole world is going to change. So, Right. Like Free. people always have that discussion if you would go back and kill baby Hitler. But say you did, what if there was somebody even worse than him that came along? You know, who knows? So. And, like, and then we had like nuclear war and like the world like got destroyed <laughs> before yep. we even existed. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's a tough. I mean, I guess from watching the chaos that went on down there, maybe oh, yeah. the 2012 <laughs> election should have been a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm down with that. I wish that had gone differently, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So now I guess we can get into, oh, so I guess what we wanted to, I was um, talking to Dusty about like what topic we wanted to go over. And I was like, my question to you was, um, what was it? Some like, what, what's the biggest trigger? Like, what's the, something like that? Wasn't it something like, what, yeah, what triggers you? The what most. triggers you the most about the church? And like, what's um, something that gets you like really buzzing? And you said the patriarchy, and I was like, yes, yes. So today we are going to take down the patriarchy, and um, because we are troll slayers, and that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess if you want to, like, I don't know where you want to start. You can tell your story and um, whatever you're comfortable with, and we can destroy the patriarchy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess. Like, I was born into the church of goodly parents, as everybody always says, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I was the first born to my parents. They were really young. Um, they were 22 when they had me. So we yeah. moved to the country where my grandparents had a, a horse ranch. So I basically grew up as a Disney princess. Like oh, Talking animals. to animals. And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, animals came in and dressed me in the morning. I had <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> lucky <laughs> yeah, totally um but yeah because it's such a small town we were um like church was everything it was our entire community because everyone you know you went to church with like I think there was six kids that I started kindergarten with and like those six kids we went through we had up till grade nine in our town mm -hmm. and they were all LDS so oh really yeah, so we went to church time. together, we went to school together, we played together, so that was your entire life. So, yeah, um, so yeah, church was everything. I was super Molly Mormon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely followed all the rules, like the Young Women's Personal Progress. Um, just really, looking back now, I had really high anxiety and like really bad OCD. But it mm -hmm. came out as trying to be perfect and trying to be like the perfect Molly Mormon, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so um, the one thing that kind of started my like anger, I've told you this, mm -hmm. um, my dad was having a bunch of men over for the priesthood session for a conference. And he'd asked me if I could like get food ready and like set up, we had like a TV room in our basement, and make food and everything. And so I like made all these really great treats and I had everything ready to go and had like throw blankets in case people got cold in the basement. Like I was, I was on it <laughs> and um, brought all the food down and I just like went to grab a plate to just make you know, myself my own little snack tray. Right. Because I'm hungry too. Mm -hmm. And my dad, um, he kind of looked at me and then he looked around and he said, Dust, do you, do you see that it's all men in here? 
and I looked at him and I was like, well, yeah, obviously. And he's like, yeah, what does that think that that means maybe for where you should be? Oh. And I was so embarrassed. Mm. Like I wasn't planning on staying. I didn't care about priesthood session, you know, yeah. but it was like the first time in my life I realized that there was that separation mm-hmm. that I was not welcome where the boys were. You know what I mean? Like that there was this boys club thing going on and yeah like this and this mentality and I remember thinking like well I can just read it when it comes out in the enzyme if I really wanted to know what they were talking about like it's some big secret yeah yeah exactly so that was like the first time in my little brain that I was like how dare you (laughs) and my dad's like a great guy like he I I don't think he meant it as a like you're not special enough I think it was he didn't want you know, he was there with his guys, and I'm sure they were discuss and whatever. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So, well, and I mean, I've been to priesthood sessions, obviously, and I'm just like, I've told you, like, I'm. It's not for me. Like, it, I would go to those sessions, and I, there were times like I would, um, like my dad would like forget or something. I, um, or I would like hope that he would forget or something. Like I remember there was one session where he like got mad that we had forgotten and then I didn't remind him. And I was like, I don't like I don't remember. Like and I like I think I was maybe twelve or thirteen too. And I'm like I don't know what's going on. Like <laughs> I don't know. What... And um, like you sit in those sessions and it's just like general conference. Like it's not like the only thing is difference is they talk about priesthood stuff. Like don't masturbate. Don't. Uh... <laughs> Don't be be a good father, be a good son, you know that kind of stuff. And it's just like like stuff that they would talk about normally in like a, a general conference thing. Just there's no women around, which I right. don't understand. But anyway, yeah, it didn't make it didn't make sense to me. So that was like kind of the first seed of like this is crap. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, obviously I got a little bit rebellious. I was pretty wild in high school and um. And it was just always presented to me like, you need to be careful. You're going to be that chewed piece of gum. Nobody's going to want you. Yeah. Wait, so when you say rebellious, like, what do you, what does that mean? Like, you were. (laughs) (laughs) I was, like, drinking. I got piercings. I had blue hair. Like, from where I'm from, that's, like, extreme. I know in a lot of places, people would be like, that's fine. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, especially, like. When you're not, well, when you're in a Mormon community, that's definitely like rebellious, and that's yeah. I, yeah, like my high school shares a parking lot with a temple, so. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. I didn't yeah, so, like you'd walk from the high school across to the seminary building. The temple's right there. Yeah. <laughs> so it Uh-oh. was very Mormon influenced. So I was definitely, like, I was labeled a wild child, and. Did you have seminary like? Um in school or was that like an early morning thing you could take it you could only get so many credits for taking it during they called it release time seminary so you Uh could put it on your schedule and go to the seminary building um you could do it for three semesters so grade 10 grade 11 grade 12 you could pick one semester per year to have it so Uh most people would pick like early morning one semester and then do release time the second semester oh so yeah, so wherever it fit in my schedule, I would just put it in. And you would count, like, as, like, an elective or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So in the Canadian school system, you have to learn about two main, like, major religions in order to get school credit. So we learned about Judaism. Oh. And yeah, which was really, I loved that part of it. That's kind of the only reason I really was into it. <laughs> Anything but Mormonism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, our, like, we had a pretty cool seminary teacher, like... He was pretty, he was just, like, really chill about stuff. And, like, if you came in with a smoothie or a Slurpee late, he just kind of, like, smiled and continued on. He was pretty chill about it. So okay. it wasn't it wasn't an intense, hard class, which was great for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, if you, seminary is one of those things you had to try to fail, though. I feel like that was, like... I remember getting like a B in one of them and I was like devastated. Like, I was like, oh my God, who gets a B in seminary? I don't know. And um, I would always, looking back on it, I had like crushes on my seminary teachers because they were like, like, I, like the, I never had a female seminary teacher actually thinking about it. Um, but like, 
they were like returned missionaries. They were always like, oh. like uh, and I was like, ooh, like my little gay brain was always like, oh, mm-hmm, okay, <laughs> you know. <but> then, <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'll go to seminary. I'll get up at six a.m. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember one. Um, this is sorry, a tangent, but like there was one seminary teacher that showed like a what did he he showed some article about like gay Mormon something. There was like a this gay Mormon that committed suicide outside of a church, like outside of it. And he showed that article and he's like, gay Mormon commits suicide outside of a church. And he was like, what's wrong with this article? And we were just like, uh, suicide, <laughs> you know? And like, and he's right? like, gay Mormon. Like, that's what, that's the point he wanted to bring out. Like, not, not the suicide. Oh. Anyway, I still, and then, but I had a crush on him, but you know, even though he was, toxic but <laughs> well, of course because that's, that's pretty telling you by later on. years but <laughs> so um you went you were rebellious but you went to seminary was also like the um the class that you could like slough i don't know if you that's like yeah. and like it was fine <laughs> like it was yeah, acceptable like, but it was also like yeah. not acceptable <laughs> like people you would just judge like you. chill in class yeah and yeah. you didn't have to think because we've all been raised in it since birth so it wasn't like there was a question that was going to come up that you were really going to have to like think hard about answering right so right. and i had really hard classes like every semester i was trying to graduate early and so it was yeah. like the hour of the day i could just be like oh. <laughs> i can relax my brain can relax and I yeah can just turn it relax. off and yeah. <laughs> sing my stupid hymns and memorize my scriptures and go along the way <laughs> yeah exactly so oh. yeah, that was good so about grade let's see beginning of grade 12 um i was dealing with what we know now was like pretty major depression and anxiety like mm-hmm. everything was coming up for college and i had been accepted to a few different universities my parents really wanted me to go down to byu and I just, I had gone there for like a summer camp mm-hmm. and I was 14 at the time and I had to be assigned a buddy to walk with me because like boys, well, men on campus would hit on me as 14 years old. And like, I did not oh. look older than 14. Like I was not a mature young woman <laughs> at all. I looked like a 14 year old boy. <laughs> so. Oh. And see, my little sister's 14, and I just think of that, and I'm like, she gets hit on, too. Like, she was, um, she's tall, she's 5'10", and she was, um, she told me about, like, they went to this, um, this place that had a bar, and she went by the bartender, like, she just was, like, standing by the bar, and the bartender, that like, came up to her and asked her if she wanted a drink, and she was like, uh, no. <laughs> and also, then, then he kind of, like, winked at her, like, and she was like, I am 14, like, get away from me. <laughs> but um i would this side note dusty is i told her that she has um tall women vibes because she's got like empowerment though she's like you're five seven five yeah wait, just five. barely five seven yeah no. <laughs> anyway so you're like uh byu um, yeah i went for that summer camp had to have like a chaperone an older <laughs> student chaperone just to like <laughs> keep me safe I guess I don't know it was messed up <laughs> it's disgusting to think about like these like probably returned missionaries probably hitting on young girls that are ugh, so gross yeah a hundred percent so just the thought of going back into that environment I just I just didn't want like I didn't want it I wanted to stay in Canada I wanted to go up north and and take you know school up there and so I was working really hard I was trying so hard to get you know, my grades really good and things really well and uh, started dating a return missionary, oh, which is the coveted know, return missionary, coveted return missionary, you know, and and my parents, like looking back on it now, they'll say like, oh, we didn't like him. We tried to stop you. And I'm like, but for 18 years, you raised me with the mentality that my job was to get married and make babies mm-hmm. you know like and so graduation was coming up and he and I weren't super serious or anything but I was gonna go up north to a main university that I was really excited about a program at 
and look at some apartments and see what like the dorm situation was or if I wanted to live off campus. And I went to my dad and I asked him for like a down payment check if I found what I needed. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just laughed at me and was like, there's no money for school. You're going to have to work and figure it out. Oh. And I had always, I guess there was a miscommunication that if I'd gone to a church school, it would have been taken care of. But if I was choosing to not, then that was not going to happen. Oh. Yeah. I've never like tried to talk to them about it since because it was pretty, it was pretty ugly. Yeah, like a passive aggressive way of saying um, you're on your, like, you're on your own if you're not, you're going off this path kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, almost. And so I knew there was like no way I was going to be able to save the money for tuition. I couldn't get student loans because my dad is self-employed. And so with like government grants and the way scholarships and student loans work up here I didn't make that my parents made too much money for me to get assistance Mm. (laughs) sorry excuse me so yeah I was like I was done (laughs) right there it was it was over so I was looking at taking a year off I didn't have really anywhere to go I was dealing with extreme depression and anxiety not really knowing what it was being you know being told by my bishop and my young women's leaders like you need to pray more, you need to do more of your scripture study, your, you know, and um, had yeah, a nervous breakdown. Answer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the answers, like, yeah, so I, I had a complete nervous breakdown, like, I, I don't fully remember what happened, I remember I was in school, and I walked into my guidance counselor's classroom, she taught classes as well, was my counselor, mm-hmm. and the only thing I really remember is, laying underneath of her desk, sobbing hysterically and not able to like catch my breath. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, it was awful. And she's, she's amazing. She actually came and saw me when I was pregnant with my first son. Like we've still stayed in contact and she's incredible. Um, Yeah. Ended up in the hospital. It was not, it was not good. It was not good. (laughs) Um, So my parents put me on a plane and sent me to Las Vegas to my aunt and uncle just to get distance they thought like the boyfriend was the problem Mm -hmm. um which I mean he kind of I guess he kind of was in a way I I really didn't think we were as serious as we were Mm -hmm. um he had proposed and so I was wearing a ring to high school which is so weird thinking of now yeah because you're a baby still oh yeah a hundred percent and so but in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, we'll get married in like a few years and I've got to figure out university and I've got to figure out a job and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got on this plane. I went to Vegas. I went and stayed with my cousin. I laid by the pool and I just tried to kind of get over this, you know, nervous breakdown that I had. My dad went into my high school and talked to all my teachers. I was excused from all my diploma diploma exams. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. And um, my boyfriend, the return missionary, somehow got the phone number of my aunt and uncle's house and was calling me and calling me and calling me. And of course, to an 18 year old girl who's in a pretty bad emotional state, I'm thinking he's so in love with me. He's my knight in shining armor. He's going to rescue me from this horrible life, which wasn't horrible. But at the time I was, you know, broken and depressed. And he made a plan to, we were going to go to BYU because my cousin was applying and wanted to look at dorms and stuff. And so we were going to meet up at BYU and he was going to take me back home to Canada and said, it's fine with your parents. Like I've talked to them. They know what the deal is. They're fine with me coming to get you. They're really happy that you're going to come home. And so, yeah, we met up in Utah and that was all a lie. My parents had no idea where I was. What? Yeah. For like... I think like five days or so I was I mean technically I was 18 but I was a child in a different country with a man that they they didn't know where I was wow. <laughs> and so, basically, so like, that's basically like <laughs> right <laughs> like you got abducted by I mean sure he's your boyfriend but that's like straight up abduction <laughs> yeah it's like the Mormon version of Taken <laughs> Oh, 
if you don't have. So yeah, we um we eventually made it back to Canada. We'd had like some car trouble and stuff, of course, because we had you know a crappy car. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, my parents, instead of being like grateful that I was home and safe, were angry because they thought I had done it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And I had this man telling me like they knew the whole time they're just being angry because they don't want us to be together because they know that you love me more than them. And it was, it was, it was so bad. So we ended up getting married. I was 18 years old and we got married and my dad cried and tried to hold me back at the door to the Relief Society room and say, I will put you on a plane to anywhere in the world. Where do you want to go? And I was so angry at him about the school thing and just feeling like I was dumped in Vegas because they didn't want to deal with me. Mm -hmm. I just, I just marched up and married him. (laughs) yeah so (laughs) and it sounds like you got like basically manipulated into it too by him like he's telling put uh pinning you against your parents also like you're he's using your anger towards them and like that feeling of like um of being like dumped into vegas and then he's using that like to his advantage to marry you and yeah he swooped in and saved me yeah yeah because I was going to university, right? a little savior too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That, so. And that's interesting because it's um, that's kind of like a ongoing theme with like, especially like men in the church, is that like, oh well, you're supposed to find a. First of all, there's this disgusting like um, mentality among. I remember like uh, going to BYU Idaho, and it was like, um, you would returned missionaries wanted to find the younger girls, like these 18, maybe 19 year old girls because they were moldable. And that was like, it wasn't like an outspoken thing, but it was like a thing that like, um, that was just kind of, it was acceptable to find these. You didn't want a girl that was um, older and more set in her ways because then she had like opinions and thoughts, you know, like. <laughs> she had a brain <laughs> in her head. Yeah, like she had she had too much time to like figure life out and figure out that men are shit. So like she, <laughs> you know, and then like, but you'd find these, you'd have these, you were told basically to find someone that was like young and moldable and like, I don't know if that was like ever outright spoken, like I said, but it's just like kind of like this unspoken rule kind of thing. Like, yeah, so yeah, gross. For sure. Because if you're, you know, if you're a girl and you're 21, you're an old maid if you're not married. Yeah. You got to go on a mission and like and yeah. just preach about Jesus and then come back and try again uh, getting married because obviously you failed as a woman. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so we moved really far away from my family. Um, I, it was horrible, Jake. Like it was, it was so bad. <laughs> well, that's another. Um, it's another move, like a manipulative move is to like isolate the person from the people that they love like their support system too yeah yeah like I if I called my family he was in the room um didn't have cell phones obviously because this Mm -hmm. is you know 2003 (laughs) oh we're old so kids before there was flip or before there was like your little computer that you put in your pocket you had a phone that unfolded if you were really lucky but most people had a phone stuck to the wall and Uh you had to dial numbers you You had to tell it to call mom (laughs) (laughs) and you had to pay long distance charges oh yeah the long distance charges too oh man it brings me back. I like, and then it was like attached to the wall, and it had a cord usually. And it was you were really you were really making it if you had like a cordless phone. You're like, Ooh, oh like yeah, all around the house and not have to be tied to the phone, tied to the so wall. So the battery died. Died. So the battery died. Yeah. Yeah. And you're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So um, we had one car. Um, I was working in a restaurant. He couldn't get a job for a while, and I was working in a restaurant kitchen, just doing prep work because. 18 years old with no experience yeah um he ended up getting a job at the same restaurant so we could be together all the time Ew. yeah <laughs> um so i would yeah i'd have to oh it sucked just thinking back of it I'm, it feels like a different life it's so crazy to think of 
Yeah, well, you're, I mean, you're also a very different person now, like, in, like, the hindsight is, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you were a kid, too, like, and you're trying to, like, suddenly be a wife, and, like, you've got this man that you, I mean, how long have you been dating at this before you got married? I think our first date was in, like, April, and we were married in August. Holy shit. Right? <laughs> I can't even, like, I, <laughs> first of all, I have underwear that's older than that, but, like, I'm just, like, how, I mean, you, you'd see that in, like, a school, like, a BYU-Idaho where I was, like, it was, like, a missionary would come home and be engaged in, like, three weeks to a girl that he would, like, just barely met, like, as yeah. soon as he got home, and I was just, like, how are you even, you can't know everything about anybody in that short amount of time, like, you really, you really can't. <laughs> you, really, <laughs> you need at least four seasons with somebody to see how they react to. I say minus the same 40. thing. <laughs> yes, I um, because like seasonal depression is real, as we know, and it's like people act differently. Like I know I act completely different when the, in the winter. Like, and it's not like I just get more like just down, but I'm also just like. I don't know and like in the summer I'm just like I have to go I get my like my um not anxiety but my like my like my focus is like way less in the summer because I'm like I want to go and do 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 soak in the sun do all this stuff you know but then like in the winter I'm like a little more relaxed but I'm also just kind of like depressed <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because of sure. no sun you know so I'm just yeah gotta go through these yeah, four seasons to understand somebody Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was not good. I was really unhappy. Um, he, he pretended that he was really supportive and trying to get me help um, with my depression, um, took me to some doctors, but was always present in those conversations mm. and kind of talked for me. And so Ooh. I was on some pretty high dosage of medications, which kept me very docile. Yeah. And, uh, Keep you yeah. obedient and um, keep you quiet, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I ended up in a hospital on suicide watch because I just um, was was self harming just to try and feel something, you know, just to try and break through that fog. Mm -hmm. And so was committed <laughs> to a psych ward. Um, oh. This is really deep. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, whatever, like. I'm pretty open about it all. It's been, okay. I mean, it's also <laughs> been a very long time, like 17 years. So okay. I'm not that, I'm not that girl anymore. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, um, that's the thing with like self-harm though. Like, like you said, it is a way to, I think people um, assume that it's like you're, attention like you're trying to get attention there's that like stigma about that but it's all it's just like you're trying to feel something like you're trying to um feel anything and if you feel pain then obviously like that kind of connects you to the world at least yeah, then, it snaps you back into the present right yeah. yeah yeah so um so yeah with being in the hospital my meds were all over the place um obviously my birth control got messed up and i got pregnant <laughs> oh damn yeah, was it, and was it like a um? Cause I I was just talking to my friend that she sent me this video about how like we don't realize how like just just because you're on birth control, there's all these other like, and as a man, I didn't know any of this, especially as a gay man, I'm like I don't like I don't need <laughs> of this, but I'm just like um like other medications can totally count counteract your birth control yeah so, like, like if you take antibiotics your birth control won't work <laughs> uh, i had no idea and then it like so that's so it's such a complex like situ situation to like you either like sometimes you have to choose your mental health or birth control like how is that even yeah uh, yeah. yeah it's it's messy it's being a woman like it sucks man <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, I don't envy women for a lot of this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so I ended up getting pregnant at 19. Um, and on my 20th birthday, I went for an ultrasound. And 
I found out that my child, there was, they said, there's something wrong with the printer. We can't print photos for you. Could you just wait and we'll have the radiologist come in and see if he can get it to work. And so I'm thinking, okay, okay sure. That's mm -hmm. weird that the radiologist would know how to fix like, the printer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so um, sat there for a while. And then they said, we're going to send it to your doctor. Why don't you just go over there and he'll have the information and your paperwork there. And so we said, okay. And of yeah. course, we're together because we had one car and we can't do anything separate. Um, drove to our doctor's office, walked in and walked into his office and the look on his face, I just knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, they see some indications on the ultrasound that Something's not quite right, but we don't have great technology here. We're going to send you to Calgary, which is a pretty big city here. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was taken up to uh, a specialist office in Calgary. Uh, they did a, a million photos, um, like ultrasound photos. And there were so many birth defects on my child that I... It was it was unbelievable to watch them pointing them out and and scanning them and and typing in and indicating what all these things were wrong and they were quite certain that the baby had a genetic disorder called trisomy 13. so if you have a baby that has trisomy 21 that's what would be called down syndrome so that's it's something that you know affects you know brain and certain mobilities and all different things there's three chromosomes when there's only supposed to be two one from mom one from dad mm -hmm. so trisomy 13 is a lot more serious it's fatal because it actually stops the frontal lobe of a brain from developing and our frontal lobe is like where our like thought processing happens and our behaviors and our you know, speech and all of that, like pretty much anything that separates us from animals happens yeah. in our frontal cortex, right? So they were pretty certain about it. Um, and I, I, of course, I wanted every test to make sure, like, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. Um, you know, got blessings that I was going to have a healthy pregnancy and that my child was going to be strong and healthy. And testing came back that, no, it's it's a fatal diagnosis oh. and so that was kind of the second thing in my brain that was like but i got a blessing you know a yeah. priesthood holder put their hands on my head and said i was gonna have a healthy baby you're wrong right and uh, like as a priesthood holder you're supposed to be i mean when you give a blessing it's like you're talking for god and giving that blessing to um that person and so if it's definitely like a contradictory message, obviously. <laughs> like, why would God give you this, um, supposedly God give you this message that your baby's gonna be healthy and then the doctors are saying, no, it's fatal. That's. Yeah. Yeah, it was so, it was so confusing. So confusing. Mm -hmm. And also like you're 19 at this point, like you're- Just turned 20, yeah, I turned 20. 20? Yeah. Wow. So it's... young, right? Yes. So young, so and just like this huge, like that's devastating news that like, and you're here. You've been like raised, especially as a like a woman. You're supposed to be bringing in healthy babies. You know, they don't even like they don't say healthy babies, but you're supposed to be bringing babies into the world. And like you've already done the marriage thing, you did, and now you're you know, and your first pregnancy is is this, and you're just like, I can't even imagine. How yeah. that must have felt for you. It was a lot of rage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of, it wasn't outward rage, but it was like burning inside of me, just getting angrier and angrier and angrier, for sure. It sounds like the rage was like started already, like it was just, and it just like added to it. Like it's just yeah. like fuel to the fire of like this, like why is this happening? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so, um, I chose to end the pregnancy um, because, I mean, it's just, it's torture at that point, right? Like, mm -hmm. your your body's going through everything because I, 
it took so long to get testing and results and everything. I was about 31 weeks along when I actually did deliver him. So where we are in Canada, I had to have like actual permission from the government to basically have an abortion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the hospital. I had all my paperwork ready. The first hospital that we went into, I walked in. Uh, I was laying in the bed. We were ready to go. And the doctor walked in and said, I will not be performing this procedure. You were a murderer. How dare you? And walked out of the room. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was just laying there like, cool. Thanks, bro. <laughs> like, shit. Like, what are you supposed to I mean, what are they? Hmm. That enrages mm-hmm. me. Like, what are they? Like, oh man, I don't even have words for that. Cause, like, oh man, like your body, your choice. But also, like, you're doing this for right. the good of the baby. Also, like, you don't like the quality of life. That, like, you've just been told that this baby has a fatal condition. Like, what do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like the chances of a trisomy baby actually making it through labor and delivery are so slim. Mm-hmm. And if they do survive. Like he had, his heart looked like Swiss cheese. Like there, he would have had to been rushed immediately into surgery for, for what? To be a vegetable laying in a hospital. He would never have left a hospital. Like, how is that fair? What God wants that to be someone's life? I don't think that's right. You know? Well, the thing, um, the thing the church teaches too is like, that you're given these things for as a lesson or as like a something, it's a trial that you're, that God is giving you for to strengthen your faith. And it's like, okay. Cause I, I can remember this weird, so not to do this little tangent, but like I was knocking on doors on the, on my mission and this woman answered the door and she said, um, she said, it was a rhetorical question. Like she just asked like, what does your God say about like my mother that just passed away kind of thing. And like, what kind of, and I was like, my answer was basically that, like, God gives us trials and blah, blah, blah. And, like, she slammed the door in my face, you know. She's like, yeah. like, for good reason. Like, I mean, when you're going through stuff like that, you don't want to hear that. Like, no. it's not even a comforting thought. It's like, um, okay, like, when my sister passed away, like, I kept wondering why. Like, why is this happening? And people would, like, tell me stuff like, well, God is, you know, giving you a trial. This kind of, like, and I'm like, no, no. He didn't know. God had nothing to do with this. Like, that's, I don't. No, I totally. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to be told that. You don't want to be God needed her more than we did. That's, you know, it's crap. (laughs) God has enough. Total bullshit. Like, it's just. uh, Anyway, so you're, and you were 30, you said 31 weeks along. 31 weeks is when I had him. Yeah. We came back up to Calgary um, had an incredible experience. They, there's a specific hospital that has specifically set up for these types of situations because it does happen more often than you would actually think. I mean, we, we're way more open about it in today's society. Again, this was, it's coming up on 16 years ago. So yeah, it'll be his birthday in a couple of weeks. He would be 16, which oh, wow. I obviously like, look way too young to have a 16 year old. Yeah, I was just going to say like, <laughs> well, well, and like my little sister's fourteen, and people think that I'm her dad, and I'm like, okay, calm down. <laughs> I'm just like, no, <laughs> I could yeah, be, but I'm so, not. <laughs> like, no, 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 way too young, way too young. <laughs> yeah, so we had this really um, beautiful experience. You know, they treated us just like anybody else. Like we got handprints and photos and blankets, and and it was it was incredible. Like for having to go through such a horrible gut-wrenching experience to be treated like that was really, it's what is needed. And I think a lot of women, they don't get that, you know? Well, especially after you'd been told by that doctor that you're a murderer, like it was (laughs) super comforting to like go to a place that actually took care of you and um, actually understood what you're going through. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It was definitely good. So more of and that. I, we need more of that. Yeah, more of that. <laughs> Let women know that they're supported regardless of what their decision is. So yeah, 
So um, I had a cemetery ceremony for him, um, buried him. And me still in my little Mormon world, I've told you this part of the story. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the temple. Like we had been sealed in the temple a year after we'd been civilly married. We waited our year and went to the temple. Um, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast yeah. story. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get into that sometime. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd been told by everybody, I felt like, that had someone passed that they had seen their loved ones in the celestial room or they had heard something that put them at peace. And I just knew if I could get there, mm -hmm. I could see him or at least know something that this wasn't all just emptiness, right? So I'm, I don't know, three days postpartum, which the ladies listening, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> um, we went to the temple. There's a lot of stairs. There's a lot of standing up and sitting down and yeah. I was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. Um, even in like healthy condition, like even as a like healthy person, like yeah, even in the best circumstances, going through the temple is like exhausting and just like it's boring. Like you're yeah. walking around a lot. Like there's a lot of anyway. Um, and it, you're, there's a lot of layers, and you're sweating a yeah. lot. <laughs> oh, you have to change so many times, and. Yeah. Ugh. And for women, it's even worse. Like, you oh, have yeah. all those layers. <laughs> and the veil. I remember and the veil. The veil, the veil. like I was going to suffocate. Like, <laughs> yeah. And three days postpartum. Okay. Yeah. Fab. So fab. <laughs> um, so I finally got to the celestial room, and I collapsed on a chair. And I was just sitting there, just like, okay, I made it. Please bless me with some sort of connection, some feeling, something. And I was watching all these people, you know, having their little whispered conversations and smiling at each other. And, and I just felt so outside watching all these people like they were in on this big secret. And here I was sitting here like a complete chump, <laughs> not aware of what the secret was, you know. And I was I was praying, like, please just give me some sign that he's OK, that he's in your grace, that you know, something and nothing. I, I just felt so empty. Yeah. And my husband came over to me and said, I've just received a revelation that we'll be blessed with another baby very soon. And yeah. that's when the rage lit. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah. you, you had mentioned that when you told me that, uh, such a heartbreaking story, but like the, um, the the rage is definitely like valid and like um the fact that he felt like he had the revelation and you as the mother who had been carrying this baby for that and you could for 31 weeks and you somehow weren't getting that revelation like because i wasn't the priesthood holder of our family yeah. i was the head yeah. of our home right yeah and also the the fact that like there are always the answer is always like oh well women don't need the priesthood they have the power the power of motherhood and um that brings them closer to god anyway and so men need the priesthood more to bring them closer to god and that kind of, i'm just like that's such bullshit they uh yeah i've been through labor three times and there was god was not there coaching me on let me tell you that <laughs> <laughs> the drugs were good, but not that good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so that's kind of what erupted everything. Um, a year later, I was filing for divorce. I walked away from, we tried counseling, and I had had a bishop, you know, say, like, you need to remember the covenants that you made in the temple, that you were a helpmate. and. Yeah. He's your connection to God, and I think they've changed it now. I think my sister said that it, you don't say that anymore, but you know, back then you you didn't covenant with God; you covenanted with your husband, who covenants with God. So, yeah. and I, I'm pretty sure I told him that I don't fucking want this. Yeah, and that that was the last time I, yeah, 
I tried going to a singles ward for a while, but it was really awkward. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they all are, but they, yeah, but especially as like, and as a divorcee, and like you've also like you're the basically, as they would say, you're the chewed piece of gum. Like they, like 100%. who's gonna want that? Like yeah. Which is like we had a bishop tell us in the singles war that like the divorced members should spend time together and let the unmarried people have each other. Basically, the virgins need the virgins, and you dirty people over there need to stick together. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So, as if you know, virginity is this prized possession or something that we can give to someone. Yeah, well, and especially as a, a woman, like, virginity is even more, like, they never talk about virginity for, like, a man. Like, there's never, like, this um, question of your purity and your virginity. Yeah, it's, like, asked, but it's never, like, so prominent as it is for women. Like, it's just, I was never grilled about, like, my sexual life, sex life as yeah. like, as a man. And I'm just, like... Um, dude, I'm having sex with men all the time. Like, what, like, <laughs> and you guys don't even, like, don't even know, don't even care. Like, it's whatever. Like, I'm still doing what I'm, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing on the front. Right, but like, yeah. But women are sitting with some bishop behind a closed door being asked about what kind of underwear they're wearing. And, oh. you know. and what were you, like, and if you do, like, confess to a sexual, um, anything sexual it's not like how are you feeling like how's how are things for you now like how do you feel it's what were you doing what were you wearing what were you like what did you why actually were you do? in that position yeah 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 it's the blame and the yeah yeah it is it's awful so yeah that's kind of my story of how i became a crazy person no <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable about that. That's some um, really deep stuff, especially the stuff about your baby. And um, mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of women will um, be able to relate. And even, I mean, I relate in some ways, but not nearly as, you know, I have had uh, friends that have lost babies. And it's just a completely life-changing experience for women especially for the mother to uh, lose a child and I can't even imagine the um especially because I, I can remember um going through let's see so when my my sister passed away like on a it was like basically like a early Saturday morning and we went through Saturday like we went and we were just like numb that whole day and then my dad made us go to church the next day because he oh wanted to go take the sacrament and i was just like um i don't want to be anywhere near church right now like fuck that and i i went obviously but i was just like i don't remember like and the stake president was there for some reason i don't know and he like got up and like singled us out and said hey like our hearts are with you, that kind of stuff. And I was like, I literally do not want to be talked to right now. I don't want sympathy or pity or whatever. Like, I'm still trying to process this. And you, like, I have all these eyes on me right now. That's not what I want. Yeah. Um, not to, but like, I don't know. So when imagine, you, yeah. yeah, I just, the, you have to grieve your own way, but like the, and everybody, I don't know, I can't even imagine, like, even as, like, my mom, like, has gone through, like, my sister was 28 when she passed away, and, like, I don't, there's just, and then, like, right after my sister passed away, my best friend from high school lost her baby, and, um, like, it was, I remember going to that funeral and just being, like, and she's still, like, she'll post stuff on Facebook about it, like, um, how old he would be, and, um, yeah, because regardless, there's still there's still that piece of you out in the universe somewhere, regardless of what you believe in. You still, you know, a piece of your heart came out of your body, you know. Yeah. And there's that connection because I can't even, like, I don't pretend to know what it is like to be a mother and to carry a baby for in, you know, but 
um, you build a connection, obviously, even before you know them. And so yeah. um, I just ugh, can't imagine. But thank you for sharing that. That was. Yeah, absolutely. That story enrages me and also breaks my heart. And um, I, we were talking also about how like um, a child of like 12 has more authority over like, has, because he has the priesthood, yeah. has more authority than the mother, you know? And that's, um, it's interesting because I'd never like put that together even as a kid. Like I was just like, oh, I have the priesthood. Cause like, when you're raised in the church, it's just kind of like a thing you do. It's not yeah, like, it's just the next thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't ever, I've never put myself above my mom, but like, I think there was always this, there's just always this like understanding that like, because you have the priesthood, you have more say in how things go like in the family. And like when my dad's not like when I was raised, when I was at home with my parents, like if my dad wasn't there, I was like the man of the house kind of thing. And so totally, if, like, yeah. the, if the home teachers would come over, they would defer to me as the kid over my mom. And I'm just like, um, like they would, I can remember one time they asked like, who would you like to have say the prayer? And I was like, I don't know. Like I'm 14 years old. Like get the fuck, right. like you say it, you know, like, I just like, I don't <laughs> Yeah. And on the outside now, looking in, like that's so messed up. It's that's so such, it's so weird to think of, you know, to think that, okay, you're 12 now. You have more authority than, than I do. You, you lead this family. Like I couldn't, I have a nephew who is now a deacon. And just to think, I mean, he's a good kid. He's awesome. But just to think that he, you know, he has some sort of leadership mantle on him now is so yes. weird. It's bizarre. And it's, um, and it, I mean, it's all such bullshit too. Cause you just like, you're thinking I'm like going back to the church history and it's just like, Joseph Smith just created this thing where it's like, he created this patriarchal cult that's like men are always going to be above women. And they're always going to like, even down to like the word of wisdom, like Emma, like that story where Emma like cleaned up the men's tobacco and she begged joseph smith to like have some like to ask god about it and that's how the word of wisdom came about or something does that am I yeah i've heard that? that story yeah that she <laughs> didn't want to clean it up and so yeah, yeah and I've heard like that. That, in, that in itself is also just like a patriarchal like okay so oh the woman whined about it so i gotta make this blow up you know like i'm just i don't know it's disgusting like all of it is just <sighs> I, it really is. Yeah, it really is. It's, but, I'm so glad to be out. <laughs> I know, right? It's great. And I mean, I love my men, like, as a gay man. Like, <laughs> but then I'm just like, smash the patriarchy. Like, as a, as a gay man, I even see it. Like, I'm just like, I'm not any better than a woman. Like, I think gay men understand women better. Th like, as a, you know, if anybody, if any man is going to understand a woman, we're, it's going to be a gay man just because like, oh, sure. we, yeah. like we, we have to endure, but also like, we also like men, you know, like, so we understand how men are, you know, just, I, I don't know if I'm even making sense, but like the, um, where was I going with that? I had a point for that. It's because I'm old. I just, yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just turned 38. So my brain cells are, I was talking to a coworker and I was like, I couldn't, I did something like that. Or it was like, my brain just like shut off like mid sentence. And I was like, what was I talking? What was I even saying? She's like, mm, yeah, that's what happens when you get old. I was like, ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> it's true. I walk into rooms and I'm like, why am I in here? <laughs> yeah. Or I'll like, pick up my phone and I'll be like, I got to look at this thing. And then I like get distracted and look at something else and I'll put my phone down. And I was like, I, that's, I didn't even look at what I was supposed to, you know, I was like, but I don't remember what I was supposed to. And then I'll remember and then I'll do it again. You know, and yeah. that happens to me constantly. All the time. All the time. <sighs> I can't even. No, I think, I think the point you're making is like, I've always felt very safe with gay men because mm -hmm. there's no, um, they're not dangerous, you know, for, right. the, for the most part. For them, yeah, <laughs> let's not go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but they, but they can. 
don't know, it, you're, you guys are allowed to like have emotions that straight men are supposed to buck up and hide from. And, yeah. and you can just have that connection with somebody who's willing to be vulnerable. Right. Right. Yeah. So. I've always related to women more than men anyway. Like, uh, I don't know that the, yeah, I, but it is because like, I've always been like kind of a sensitive kid, you know, and like I have those emotions and I'm able to like embrace it. Luckily, like I was raised in a home that at least allowed me to kind of express those emotions, but I was, um, I don't know, but that's why women go to gay bars, like straight women go to gay bars is because they can actually let loose and they don't, uh, they don't feel like they're going to be, um, molested <laughs> yeah and you're not you're not judged or critiqued you know you go to a straight bar and it's you know you're self-conscious of your body or the way you're dancing where you go to a, a gay bar like you can just you are just loved and accepted and embraced for who you are and that's what I love about the gay community you know yeah um so I guess on a lighter note um you are now happily married and you have two beautiful kids, beautiful boys, and um, you're an out of the church woman and living your best life. You're empowered. <laughs> and I just wanted to make sure that that was <laughs> also oh, yeah. that you were. <laughs> the moral of the story is leave the church and you'll have an awesome fairy yeah. tale ending. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I'm, I'm so much like more confident and happier like outside the church than I ever was and I feel like um uh there's more there's that whole thing with like that the church tells you is like oh well ex-mormons are angry and just bitter and also like they say there's also this thing of like oh non-members like they're um they're all evil you know like there's always this like and it's like oh they just they don't have the gospels so there's like this like of course they would choose to do that because they don't know the truth you know and so and like i i was in the navy and like i met all these like non-members quote unquote and i was like they were the best people the most loving the most like accepting the most like chill people like i don't like the, the best people in the world you know and it was like how is it, I just think about that and I'm just like how do people how do we like justify that it's because we we've brainwashed into thinking that we're elite and like that we, we had the true gospel and so of course we're better than everybody else yeah it's that us versus them mentality right mm-hmm. if we can we have to stay inside the circle because we have something that the other people don't yeah yeah and don't um i remember my aunt saying i feel like we're and she was oh man i was going to i can't remember how when i I feel like i was either at it was either right before my mission or right after and she was talking about how like um that i shouldn't no it was right before because she said don't go on because i went to florida and she was like don't go marry a woman outside of you know that's in the on your mission you come back here and marry like somebody from utah or idaho because the she even then she was just like because the members outside of utah and idaho are different than the ones here and i was like what is what does that even fucking mean like (laughs) like Like that culture of like the utah mormons right mm -hmm. which i mean they are a little different they are different (laughs) but like not in a good way like they're (laughs) Uh, and i'm like well (laughs) definitely didn't do either of those (laughs) so i guess we both we both you know one took your advice and ran with it took your advice and ran with it yeah definitely didn't definitely didn't marry a woman outside of the (laughs) out of utah Yeah, no, I met my husband, my now lovely, wonderful husband. I met, um, yeah, years after and refused to go on a date with him. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I didn't want to, I never wanted to get married again. And I just, we had this connection that I just knew that he was going to be my person. (laughs) Oh, 
like the stories you tell about him, I'm just like, oh, that's ridiculously cute. Like, I just can't even. <laughs> Two dogs. And... <laughs> and a beautiful house that you're, yeah. like, yeah, you're living yeah. a good life. Doing good, <laughs> yeah. So for all those times that I heard, like, if you leave the church, where will you go? And being afraid, I mean, I've done, I've done okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you have. Well, I guess we can end there. I um, want to thank you for being on the show. Um, uh, and we'll definitely have you back because this has been awesome and we can talk about other stuff and we can continue to destroy the patriarchy. We can talk burn about other down. things. And <laughs> burn it down. Burn it all down. That's right. Burn it all down. Yeah, I want to I wanna talk to you about more like pre-study stuff now that oh, yeah. I just want to wanna know it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm... I've been trying to like prepare some stuff on that, but I um, it'd be interesting to to talk about for sure because I don't I think that the pressure that women like there's I think the pressure that women receive in the church is you know huge, but I feel I the pressure on the men's side is also really like huge, but in a different way. Like. Yeah. Yeah, like at 12 years old, you have these expectations put on you. That's a lot for a kid. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that will be to be continued. All right.